Welcome to the Optimist Futures Podcast, a place to learn from an industry insider with over 20 years of experience in commodity futures and options. Gain insight to the newest technology, platforms, risk management, trading philosophy, and advice about the current state of the futures and options markets. For futures trading platforms, deep discounts trading commissions, overnight margins, and instructional videos, feel free to visit our website at optimistfutures.com. Please remember that this matter should be viewed as a solicitation to trade. Trading futures and options involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should therefore carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your financial condition. Optimist Futures LLC is not affiliated with, nor does it endorse any trading system, methodologies, newsletter, or similar service. We urge you to conduct your own due diligence. Now, here's your host, founder and CEO of Optimus Futures, Matt Zimberg. Hey guys, it's uh, Matt Z for another podcast. How you doing? I hope all is good. Um, always love the one you're surrounded with more than the markets. They're more important. Um, they'll stay there. Uh, so are the markets actually, but still love the ones that are around you more. Okay, so today we're gonna talk about something that I see all the time. Um, I see a question, I should see, be very specific. I see this question all the time is, how much can a day trader make? Or how much can I make as a trader? Um, And people are looking for very specific numbers and I just don't get it. Like how can you, and I see those forum discussions all the time, like how much can I make as a day trader in trading futures? you know, I don't know. People answered, well, you can make $100,000 uh, a year. Somebody says you can make half a million dollars. Somebody says you can make less or more. But everybody, it's interesting. All those people who answer those questions always have a friend, right? So they always answer the question, well, how much can you make with uh, this? I have a friend that makes this. It's an imaginary friend, typically. They don't know this friend. It's just a friend that they made up. And they don't know him, but he's making a lot of money as a day trader, right? I mean, he's just amazing, that guy. So let me give you a little bit of a realistic perspective, a little bit less sarcasm in all this and tell you how much you can make as a day trader. So basically, it depends on a number of things. One is the leverage that you use. It plays a big role. So, you know, how much of, 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 um, how many contracts you trade? you know, in your given thing. So the more you trade, the more, the more you increase your risk and the more you increase your return, right? Because it's just the notional size of the account is substantially more. So clearly leverage plays a really big role in the returns. Now I'm not saying, and I'm not encouraging, just listen to me carefully, guys. I'm not encouraging anybody to trade a lot of contracts. I think for beginners, um, they're attracted to that side of the business, but I'm going to tell you something. The reason we as brokers provide this sort of leverage is because of competition. Because first, there's a, comp- there's a competitive marketplace for commissions, and then there's a competitive marketplace for uh, margins. So we provide it because people want it. Is it good for customers? I would say not for everyone. You don't want, well, it should be very specific. It's probably better for somebody who's experienced. Because day trading margins may, could allow a person to be in multiple markets. So you don't occupy all in one market. So if you're trading in mini S&P and gold and crude, 
maybe you're in three markets at the same time and some people have experience in it. And again, this is why I'm saying returns also part of the leverage that you use. However, I would tell you this, that good traders do not use a lot of leverage. They're not looking to, you know, for five or 10% of their accounts. It's just, that's not what they do. Um, if you look at commodity trading advisors or managed futures that we work with some of those traders as well, you know, and they're managing some of our customers' portfolio. Um, I would say that big majority of them from, at least from, uh, you know, the perception that I have or viewing their activity, I think they have reasonable amount of leverage that they use. Um, that's so leverage plays a big role. Second thing is your starting capital. Your starting capital also will play a big role in the returns. And again, I'm not saying here specific numbers. I don't want to give you specific numbers because I don't think there's such a thing. I think there's skilled traders and you know beginner traders and everything else. So you know, again, I'm not going to talk about numbers. I'm just going to give you the factors. But starting capital is huge. So a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm a beginner. I'm going to try with a small account the problem with that approach okay is this is that when you start with a small account just realize whether you have let's say you trade one e mini smp okay that's all you want to trade if you open a five thousand dollar account or a fifty thousand dollar account the only difference it would make in your trading is that bigger account allow fluctuations in the account and withstand drawdown something that small accounts cannot do so a lot of people mistake the idea of a larger account of trading larger numbers you don't have to do that you don't have to trade more contracts if you have a larger account so naturally you know if you have a small account sometimes you know in day trading in the mini S&P market is very leveraged sometimes you'll have to refund it a number of times until you get uh, the action right but again, performance is also basically dependent on your starting capital. Third thing is, is your method. Now, the method that you choose for your trading will also determine how, you know, how much of the market you can take. So uh, what kind of return? So there are methods where don't trade frequently. And it's fine, by the way. It's fine. You don't have to. You can't force the income that you want from the market on your method and on the market meaning that you, you don't want to be in the category of confirmation bias meaning that uh, because you want to make this money all of a sudden you start seeing opportunities and force yourself to see opportunity if you're not familiar with the concept of confirmation bias it's a it's a, basically a bias where you start seeing things because you want to see them right um, you're not being objective so again, your method will play a big role. The frequency of your of your trading, um, also part of your um, uh, method, is also the risk management that you use. Right? It's so you could be in a period that you know if you decided to be a swing trader, then you might be, you know, the markets might not come your way in a long time. Day trading, you know, has different risks and cons, but you know it's more frequent trading. Um, so that's basically also plays a very big role. And again, you know, whatever method you devise, that's the method you should use and the method you feel comfortable with. And I tell people all the time, start, you know, being um, start small with your method, see if it works, and you can progressively, if the system makes you money, progressively add contracts to that and not start with a huge amount and just... Uh, not leaving room for error. And uh, part of, again, how much money you make is also, 
dependent on your risk management. Um, and I consider that part of your method. So how do you handle the losses? How do you, do you know how to cut your losses short? And above all, not only knowing how to cut your losses short, I mean, what makes you cut your losses short? I mean, when um, you have to have the ability to determine that w- what made you get into the market is actually is not there anymore. So conditions have changed and you need to get out. And again, you know, the that is something that you uh, that you should recognize. Um, four, I would say it's drawdown. So you can be in a lackluster period where nothing is happening um, and drawdowns and that affects your income as well. Right. So you can be in a drawdown period for a couple of months that you might not be making money. And I know a lot of people there would say, well, you know, I heard of traders that make money every day, regardless of the markets. And I would tell you, this is nonsense. There could be people that, uh, as an average, make a certain amount per day. But to expect every day to make money, it means that you have some sort of a magical system that matches every single market condition out there, which is really, really hard to do. Um, I know there are firms out there that specialize in HFT, um, you know, high frequency trading, but those people don't compete with a the method. They compete with speed, you know, speed of execution, which is a completely different game. Um, they have servers. It just, they go for their cost of execution is so low. I mean, in, like a retail guy, for example, on the mini S&P execution pays $2.40 round turn or $1.18 per side plus MFA. Uh, this is not the fees that the high frequency uh, traders pay. It's not even close. So, you know, they have, they have leases and exchanges. So some, some of our traders have leases too. Uh, but even then, you know, you, it reduces the cost. But high frequency traders, they get it even lower because of the volume that they do. Um, the fifth reason, and you might find it very awkward, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's something that I would say it's that a lot of people consider, you know, and some don't, but I think you should. It's your skill. Um, you know, your skill will determine how much money you make. I mean, let's just face it that some people are great in trading and some people have to work towards it. Now, I don't think there's somebody who's born a great trader, but I think some people came from backgrounds where they took very high risks and they understand it or they become, um, or they come from analytical background. Um, some sort of analytical background that requires, you know, analysis. So they're good in analysis and some people don't come. Majority of people that come to trading from what I see, and I could be wrong, the majority do not come from um, environments that they had to take a lot of risk, whether they're, whether they're, per, whether it's personal life or, um, risk, um, you know, financial risk or anything like that. But some people do come. So even a person who established his own business and nobody writes him a check, there's a certain level of risk. So he understands fluctuations and good periods and bad periods, you know, as opposed to somebody who was a salaried employee. So his, his mental game is, is different when he approaches this, right? Um, he's not used to those, you know, not making money during certain periods because you come, you do your job, you're getting paid and trading is not always like that. And then there's some people who have some sort of an analytical skill and, and they might come from mathematical backgrounds, statistical backgrounds. They might come from just data analysis. 
So they look at data a little bit different. They are looking at anomalies, right? So they can recognize some sort of an anomaly in the market. And by the way, that's your job as a trader as well. Don't think that mathematicians um, are better, are, will always be better than you in spotting anomalies, for example. I believe the traders will look at, you can spot anomalies by, by looking at charts, right? So I know traders will look at that or they see certain spikes or you can look at moving averages and you can make your own conclusion. So I don't want to you specifically to get discouraged over the fact that somebody has a PhD. It, it's not always an advantage. And sometimes it's, they do too much analysis to the point of uh, so much analysis that they can't even take a trade because, you know, they're waiting for the, the, the stars to align. So again, you know, let's just review the, you know, the, the factors that affect uh, your trading is, you know, or how much money you can make out of it. It's your leverage. It's your starting account. It's your method that includes your risk. It's your drawdown. And fifth is your skill. And what I'm going to tell you is this, is that, you know, trading is hard. Don't treat it as a race. You know, it's not a sprint. It's really a very, very, very slow marathon that you just keep on running and learning, and, you know, and, and you make it very personal. I don't want you to be in a rush. You're not in competition with everyone. Don't let your greed get to you uh, where you're trying to make money, you know, the next day. But think about every action that you do long term. You can have a bad week. You can have a bad month. It's fine. You can do all the right things and and maybe have a still have a bad month because the market didn't uh, play your way. But it doesn't mean that you're doing things wrong. So look, don't look at your trading for a week or a month. Yeah, really, it's a. I would say that it takes between, I would say probably three to five years to get to the point where you're really trying to, where you really start getting things. You know what I mean? When you're not being influenced, when you understand, you know, the different market volatilities that could happen. Um, you want to encounter every single scenario out there in the market. You you want to do that. You want to have the crazy days. You want to have, you know, um, you want to have the good days. You want to have the bad days because all those things that turn into a trading lesson and at the end of the day, there's something that I spoke about in many podcasts before. There's something in the learning, adult learning process where you start getting into your uh, subconscious competence, where you're starting to develop this intuition that you didn't have as a beginner. And, and I know I, I said in, in many podcasts that I don't like intuition, but I believe that if, if somebody is starting to trade and, and, and this is an intuition level is at, at one, somebody who's been trading for a long time and applies risk management and has a rule-based system. Um, at that point, he re relies less on intuition. But even then, you know, when something is off, I think he uh, stopped things, stopped things. But again, it comes from experience. So there's two different things. There's intuition for beginners, which is the wrong intuition. And there's an intuition of, that comes from experience, from trading, from having rules, from not falling into the myth of, you know, I know a trader makes half a million dollars or a million dollars or two million, whatever the case is. Every single person is an, an individual and I have respect for everybody who trades, everyone. That's, that's my bottom line. If you get up in the morning and you actually decided that you are a trader and you're taking the risk where you're putting your funds at risk, 
Okay, I respect you for it. And this is why I wish you nothing but the best in your method. Um, this is why I'm being so straightforward and not describing trading as this easy thing as many do. Um, but rather, I think, it, I don't try to make it hard, but what I try to tell everyone, it's a thinking business, right? So I just want to give you all the rules and all the tools that you'll make the right decisions. Anyway, that's it for now. Uh, wish you nothing but the best. Um, looking forward to seeing you um, on our site. Please go to community.optimistfutures.com if you have any question, if it's a mental game question, psychology question, strategy question, software question. If you want to open an account, um, I'd love to earn your business. It's optimistfutures.com. And uh, that's basically it. So uh, that's all for now. And uh, I look uh, forward to our next podcast and uh, you participating in it as well. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Optimist Futures podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Google Plus, all under the username Optimist Futures. If you have any questions, feel free to send us an email to support at optimistfutures.com or give us a call directly at 561-367-8686 or toll free at 1-800-771-6748. Once again, thank you for listening to the Optimist Futures podcast. Please remember that this matter should be viewed as a solicitation to trade. Trading futures and options involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. You should therefore carefully consider whether such trading is suitable for you in light of your financial condition. Optimist Futures LLC is not affiliated with, nor does it endorse any trading system, methodologies, newsletter, or similar service. We urge you to conduct your own due diligence.